0: Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and today we are honored to have as our guest, actor, director, producer, writer, Christina Klebby. Christina, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a very long time now. So let's just get started. Uh, According to what people look up on the internet regarding how you got started your initial training was in theater was motion pictures in the beginning ever on your radar
1: definitely not no
0: <laughs> at which point uh, did it get into like becoming a you know a possibility for you
1: um i think probably when i realized i couldn't make a living as a theater actor <laughs> um no i i Honestly, it, it probably came into my radar in college um, when I I was I minored in film, actually, and um, I shot my first ever short that I wrote, directed, and acted in uh, when I was in college. Um, and I remember, I think we were shooting on 16 millimeter, yeah, like Super 16 or 16. We edited on a Steenbeck. Wow. I mean, I edited on a Steenbeck, and I acted in it, and I remember thinking... I had no idea how to act on camera and everything was way too big. Like everything that I was doing was way too big. But as a director, I knew what I wanted and I knew it sucked. Like I knew me, like Christina as an actor sucked on film. And so I was like, okay, well how do I change my performance to adjust to this format? And I think that's the first time that I ever understood or started to understand more about like film acting or, you know, on camera acting and, and it was a great learning lesson. Um, and it was also, I think, what got me more excited about that. Um, and, it about looks, After.
0: and it looks like from then on in, you really just fell in love with it. And that your career just followed in the path of motion pictures. Now, a lot of us got introduced to you, and of course, in Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween as Linda. Uh, looking back now would you say that was sort of like your breakout role
1: yes absolutely and i feel very lucky it was one of those things that happens to actors that they're they're like you kind of i mean it was just very lucky i i don't even know uh you know i feel i had just moved to la or i had i hadn't even decided to move move there before i i don't even remember i auditioned for it then i Went back to New York, then I moved to LA and literally like a couple weeks later, I get a call that I booked Halloween and I didn't even know it was Halloween. And I was actually on the fence about doing it because of the nude nudity scene. <laughs> yeah. And and I called a couple of friends who knew a lot more in the business than I did at the time. And uh they really got mad at me and they said, I can't believe you're even thinking about turning this down. Like <laughs> And I said, yeah, but like, I'm a theater actor and I'm like, you know, highbrow, like I do Shakespeare and this is a horror movie. Like I was super obnoxious. Like yeah. it was exactly what you would imagine somebody that like had, you know, spent up until then practically doing theater, you know, would say, but it was the luckiest thing in my career. And it was the best thing that that could have happened in my career. And um and I, mean, so, I mean,
0: you played a character that from the original was played by PJ Souls and she was iconic then and you were iconic as Linda in the remake as well. So definitely a, a great choice in taking the role.
1: Yeah, and I'm super like I was I was so
0: ignorant and
1: so naive at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you have played roles that span all different genres, but horror seems to be really prominent in your credits. Do you have a special love for horror, like from an early age, or was it something that developed as time went on?
1: It's definitely something that developed, which you could probably tell from the story I just told you. (laughs) Um, I I, I really did grow up going mostly to shows, live theater, live music in New York City, and... um, uh, horror movies, the only horror movie I had even watched until later on was Nightmare on Elm Street and it literally gave me nightmares for months and so I never watched another horror movie Um, and, but I always when I did start watching more movies gravitated more towards like human horror like real people yeah. horror um, so like you know One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a horror movie in mm-hmm. my opinion Um, yes, it's a drama, but, uh, or the shining or, um, and so, yeah, it it definitely grew though over the years. And I think now that I know so many people and all my good director friends are, you know, big horror directors. And I, of course, watch their movies before any other movie that comes out, I've become much more versed in the horror genre than I i am even in in dramas and and comedies for sure because i i never watch comedies why would i watch a comedy
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure you've learned by now that horror fans are just very loyal loving supportive fans out there some of the best now one of one of the uh, more recent films that you've done uh was two witches directed by pierre tsigerides um you co-wrote helped write the script and you played in because it's sort of a segmented film uh, yes. opposite of Rebecca Kennedy. Uh, first off, how did you get involved with Two Witches?
1: So I met Pierre at a party that Alter had. So my short film that I wrote, directed, edited, produced, because I usually always do everything, went uh, is it, you can see it on Alter. Mm-hmm. So I'm pitching my, my little short called As Human as Animal. And uh, I met Pierre at a party that Alter had, and um, he told me he was trying to get a feature done and then he pitched this short film to me and um, the short film was the section that I'm in. Yeah. And um, what I ended up doing is he ended up putting three films together to make the feature. There's three shorts together. And um, I pretty much helped him write the second part that, that uh, Rebecca and I are in. Mm-hmm. And um, I also cast Rebecca because uh, I had cast a project previously that she had auditioned for and I really loved her and um and so when this came about i called her and i said would she be interested the funny thing is pierre had wanted me to play her character and i was in some weird mood i don't know why i said no i should have should have played (laughs) that it's such a good character but i was just not like i think i had just played a demon and i am fear and Mm -hmm. i felt like i don't want to play another demonish witch character i want to play like the innocent person for once so I asked if I could play the other character and I um, brought in Rebecca to play. So I actually, I actually uh, cast her in it.
0: I think it worked out for the best. Rebecca was yeah. great in her role and you were amazing in yeah. your role.
1: I absolutely, and, and I, I'm, I'm pretty, I have a good eye for casting. I love casting. Yeah, I, I, mean, love, I love thinking about the actors I know and being like, oh, she'd be perfect or he'd be perfect. Like,
0: I mean, I have actor, director, producer on the screen, but literally you have done everything in entertainment casting director writer i mean you really have dabbled in everything now you've directed two short films uh what are your thoughts when you hand over a script that you let's say you solely wrote to another director to do it for you do you feel comfortable trust that he's Mm -hmm. gonna he or she's gonna have that same interpretation as you
1: That's such a good question. I'm actually dealing with this right now with a very good friend, um, Zach Parker, who directed Mean Proxy. We're co-writing a script together and he's directing it, but I I pitched it to him to direct because um, I'm playing the lead in it and I didn't want to direct and play the lead. And I really want him to direct again because he's such a great director. And and now I am like, of course you go through it and you think, well, shoot, like the the vision that I have, even though we're co-writing it, the vision i have for this movie is that the vision that he's going to have as the director yeah. what's the end product going to look like and you you are it is nerve-wracking um a little bit um i think for most writers we like to direct our own material so yeah. you know, um but obviously that's not always possible so um you just yeah you kind of hope hope and pray
0: yeah, it's all hope about how exactly, to be what you want exactly <laughs> letting go and and trusting Tell us what makes independent films really special for you.
1: I think, you know, what's so frustrating sometimes in Hollywood is the it's like politics, it's the bureaucracy, it's the freaking like red, like you know, the red tape everywhere, you know, and it's like you have to go through this person to go through that person. Like, it, this just happened to my boyfriend that, um, he you know, auditioned for an ultra low budget film, which actually this shouldn't even happen on an ultra low budget, but whatever. Um, And he wanted to send in another take because he didn't like his audition. And so he contacted the director and I guess the casting director got angry that he had contacted the director. It's all like just... It's yeah, all egos. Yeah, it's you know, egos it's know, and then again, yeah. we're all artists, so we all have egos. And it's all we always have to you know, always check your ego at the door.
0: Because exactly.
1: somebody else definitely has a better idea. You just have to know like how to listen, collaborate. That's what I love about indie films usually is is it's a collaboration and it's teamwork and you don't have to go through all the red tape and the kind of,
0: uh, you know, Yeah, and the situation you just mentioned is very prevalent in major studios. Everything is done by committee. One committee gets passed down to another committee and on and on. Uh, Not as much in independent films, depending on the budget. You know, if you're dealing in six figures, once you get into seven figures, it gets a little bit more dicier. But in independent films, you know, I've always say innovation is it's, you know, it's bred by necessity. You know, you only have a certain amount of money. And you got to mm-hmm. make it work, and I think that that breeds some of the most creative work that we've seen on the screen. Uh, changing Absolutely. topics a little bit, COVID changed the industry three years ago. It, inevitably, it was going to happen, but it COVID sort of rushed it. Are in your opinion, are independent films in a better or worse position now than they were five years ago before COVID?
1: Mm. Uh, this is gonna be in my opinion, it's worse because um, people are not buying um anything. Yeah. And the amount that they're paying for movies is much less than they were paying five, six years ago. So a movie that you made five, six years ago for two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand dollars might have been bought for six hundred yeah. or five hundred or four hundred. But today, a movie that was made for a hundred might only get an offer of fifty.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's very, very it's there the market is, I think, saturated right now. So you might be able to make a movie, which is great, um, for less money or whatever, but I'm not sure that you're gonna make your money back. And if your goal is to or or to get it out into the world, like get it, you know, onto mm-hmm. a good platform where um, you know, people will be able to watch it. Um, so I, I think it's I think right now like the economy in general is in a weird place. So um people are wary to spend a lot of money on anything. Yeah. Um
0: and I, I totally agree. I own a production and distribution studio, and I see it with the stuff that I'm distributing. Uh, yeah, people, they I mean, times are tough. People are very careful on what they're spending their money on. They're not spending it as much on movies and TV. And if you look at what's playing in the theaters, uh, even the studios are really playing it safe. They're taking these past big-name films and they're rebooting them or creating sequels. A good example is they're currently shooting a sequel to The Exorcist, and it's being directed by David Gordon Green. They're, taking, they're not taking oh risks. He's,
1: just got the, he's got now, like, he's got the...
0: Halloween. You know,
1: like, he's got a, he's, he's uh, the new genre baby, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Darling, I guess is the word I was looking for.
0: Yeah, and they're taking... Known- I love that,
1: but, but yeah.
0: They're taking no names. They're not taking risks like they used to before. They're taking no names and dumping money into them. And those are the movies that are getting the biggest hype in theaters. There are a few independent films that are coming out in theaters here and there. But as you know, like it's...
1: Terrifier, right? Like Terrifier, but I think that that's a fluke. And I think they were very lucky. Not to yeah. say the movie deserve it. I mean, it totally... I, I actually haven't seen it um so i can't say whether it deserves it or not yeah. in my opinion but um i i uh, i do really like the people involved i know them i've met them they're wonderful so i'm so happy for them but i think that's an absolute fluke i don't think that that's because no yeah that would be better than other movies. i think they, they were great at their marketing marketing is so important there they had the clown the terrifier everybody knows that if you can make a visual monster that creates buzz but there have been other ones that have not gotten as much buzz so it's it really is all everything coming together and yeah and your marketing campaign
0: was really good damien leon who created uh the terrifier movies i mean he tapped into something that was a real big interest with fans in art the clown and the Mm -hmm. first one did great so when the the second one came out there was the first one and all the fans that that had picked up so when the second one came out, all the people from the first one came out and supported the second one, and then it caught on with even more fans. But you're yeah. right, that is a big exception to the rule, you know? Yeah. Uh, so as your career moves along, uh, what is your, what do you want to focus on? Because like we said, you do a little bit of everything. Do you want to continue to do a lot of in front of the camera work, or do you want to start focusing more on directing, producing and doing some more writing.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, I, I wrote a feature um, called gene therapy, which I really am trying to get made and I want to direct and, um, you know, it's it's based on my true story of um, being diagnosed with BRCA2, which is a, a genetic um, yeah. mutation that creases, creates breast cancer and stuff. So um, I, it's a, but it's a dark comedy. It's not uh it's not a horror and it's not a like a dark drama. It's yeah. just, it has comedic, it's comedic and it's fun. It's kind of like an adventure story. So I really want to direct that, but you know, um, that's one thing and I definitely want to still act, but I um i want to do projects and only projects where i'm working with either people that are very nice Mm -hmm. or kind um or have like you know um or the mess something in the movie is like meaningful to me
0: yeah
1: Uh, i i guess yeah like i just don't want to just work on a project as an actor to work on a project Mm -hmm. anymore because i'm also just you know it's 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 not always, when you're not around the right people, it's not necessarily yeah.
0: Yeah. what you
1: love to do anymore, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I, I recently lost out a role and I am I was really excited because it was it was gonna be with a well-known actor, but then I found out who the director was, which I didn't know. And I was like, wow, what a blessing in disguise, yeah. even though it was great, it would have been great for my career, you mm-hmm. know, my reel. I knew I did not want to work with that director
0: because okay. so,
1: this, because of the stories that are very much out there in the world
0: Yeah.
1: and say who it is, but like, you know, and I was like, I, number one, can't even believe this guy is still making movies, but, um, I knew that I would not have had a good time on that set.
0: Yeah. Sometimes things work out for the best. You, yeah. you've attended some of the best schools in the country. You, Dartmouth NYU for your, uh, uh, master's degree. For kids coming up now and wanting to get into the entertainment industry, you know, I'm seeing and talking to them, they want to conquer, they want to start at the top right away (laughs) and conquer the world a hundred steps at a time. Uh, When it came to the schooling, the education that you got, uh, how much did it help you when you got into the real world?
1: (laughs) Um, I would say that Dartmouth did not help me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, here's what it did help. I mean, Uh, it helped because it was such a great education and I studied politics, I studied government and um, I still got to do acting and I minored in film. So I learned so much and I learned how to write. I learned how to write, um, you know, theses. I learned how to think, I learned how to critically think. And this is what I actually think is the most important thing that we're lacking in general in our education in this country, but probably in many countries, is how to critically think yeah. that means that i.e you don't believe everything you see on the internet or <laughs> wow. you your research and you don't just believe what everybody says and you you say oh interesting interesting and then you go do research and you critically think and you're like does this and this add up or not and you do your own critical thinking and mm-hmm. i don't think that we're even taught how to do that in in school or you know in i You know, as far as I know, that's not taught very much anymore. And um, and maybe it never was taught as well as it should be. I don't know. But I think with the internet and how much information is out there, it's so important to be able to to be your own critical thinker. Exactly. and so i don't know dartmouth helped in because it was a great education i guess but it did not help in the business like i don't even think i've ever worked with like i just auditioned for jeff wadlow he went to dartmouth i actually knew him we did theater together back in the day i just auditioned for this blumhouse movie and i don't think that just because i know him i'm going to get cast in it no. like so i don't even i actually have i can't even get in touch with him so i don't know <laughs> like um you know i don't think you know, Mindy Kaling, who was in my class at Dartmouth, I, I've tried to contact her and be like, hey, Mindy, remember me? Like any roles on any of your shows? Yeah. No, I, I would say it has definitely not helped. Um, but I think NYU grad um, has been an, an invaluable resource. And in fact, right now I'm I'm producing and um, writing this, this feature that we're shooting this summer. And I just sent out an email to our listserv and I said, I'm looking for a DP who knows how to shoot 16 millimeter. And I got, I didn't even think I would get this many responses of such talented DPs. And I was just like, wow, like even if one of these works out, yeah. it's just, you know, so it is a resource. And obviously,
0: yeah, Wh- I mean- why of- are you, Just a question, why are you shooting it in 16 millimeter? Good
1: question.
0: Yeah, um... uh,
1: because uh, Zach had acquired a sixteen millimeter camera, and before I approached him with this idea, and um, he was really dying to shoot something on it, and I actually love—I've shot on film. I started, as I told you, on sixteen, mm-hmm. and edited on a Steenbeck, and I love film. He, we both really want to shoot a movie on on film. However there are some things that we do need to think about and uh but we're we're shooting it on film and we 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 are excited because it's just we want to go back to this kind of like this old school style
0: and, retro and, vintage yeah. and it's funny uh because that has been prevalent a lot recently in uh what and the way people are, are coming out especially with independent films they're not shot on 16 millimeter they're shot on digital but what they're doing is in post-production they're adding the vintage look like it was shot in the 1980s with a camcorder Mm -hmm. and they're doing that on purpose i'm not a big fan of that because i've lived through the 80s
1: no you can never make it look like like it i think you either have to shoot on the original format or shoot it in you know in what we have yeah. today. I, I, you know, I don't know about these post filters. There is one way to, to do it. I think that's uh, really makes it look like film, but I I don't
0: know. If you're gonna really go all in, then go all in, do what you're doing, do it in 16 millimeter and it has to be an SD. Don't put it yeah. on a big HD screen. Now you've done a lot of voiceover work. In fact, you have a, a game coming out this year, a Texas Chainsaw game coming out this uh, later on this year uh does doing voice acting require a different mindset for you as opposed to being on camera
1: oh yeah absolutely and i think i love it even more actually (laughs) i love voiceover acting and work because i just i built myself a booth over the pandemic um i i wanted to make sure that the work i did sounded as good as possible from home i'm not there now but um obviously but uh (laughs) I, I love it. Like you, I go into the booth and I just feel so free and liberated. Like, I don't care what I look like. Um, most of the time, nobody's even on zoom, so they don't know what I, they're not watching me. They're just listening to me and I get to do all these voices and characters and, um, I freaking love it. I love voice so much. My, I would love to be in an animation, like a, like a recurring in an animation on a, a TV show or something, but
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, you and I are New Yorkers, born and raised New Yorkers. Oh, great.
1: Yeah. So Uh,
0: Now, entertainment runs in your family. Uh, How did growing up in the city, having entertainment in your family, how did that impact you choosing your career path going way back, you know, and what kind of an impact did it have growing up?
1: Yeah, so I think I definitely was impacted by... Um, so my dad was friends with Marion Ramsey, who unfortunately passed away during the pandemic. Um, she was in the Police Academy movies. Yeah. And um, so she would come over, she like held me as a baby. And she I remember her so clearly being so funny and like being such a, an influence. I just looked up to her. And then my uncle as well was a well-known actor in Germany and um i i remember we would go to restaurants with him and people would be like oh my god can i get your autograph i just thought i just thought he was so cool like i didn't want to be somebody that people asked for my autograph but i just looked up to him and um and i think that yeah they influenced me just being around a lot of theater growing up um i also i don't know i just always had it in my bones almost like i wanted to be on stage. I always wanted to be on stage. Whenever like a, the school play was happening, I was like, I want to have the biggest part with the most lines. Like, you know, I mean, I just was, I love, I loved It's being in on your stage. blood.
0: Yeah, it's in your blood. <laughs> so Before I let you go, uh, I have one final question. Um, every actor has roles that are special to them as they move along in their career. If you had to pick one or two, what are some of the special roles for you that you've played.
1: I mean, I can't, I couldn't not say Linda in Halloween because that was just such an iconic role and it was such a great shoot and I feel it's going to be with me forever and mm-hmm. I I love I love Halloween, I love Linda. Um but probably also the role that I just played in Brooklyn 45, which is my new movie yes. um, out on Shutter this this summer. Yeah. Uh Hildy is a very meaningful character because um i was able to play a german character in america in the 1940s who is suspected of being a nazi and just because she has an accent Mm. um and now again this was post-world war ii so of course people were like you nazi you know of course you horrible person but she had moved to new york in the 1930s and people are still calling her Nazi. And she's like, I don't have anything to do with this war, you know? And um, I think just the idea that like, because even me growing up without an accent, I was called a Nazi if pe- once people found out that I was German or had German parents, you yeah. know? And I just felt very connected to that and i always understood like the anger against germans of course like i mean with the, what we did was an atrocity or i shouldn't say we because i didn't have no. to deal with it but no. you have to know your history to not repeat history and um you know i it, so but it was still hard being called something that is so evil when you when as a child or as a young adult like when you yeah. had nothing to do with it and your parents were not Nazis and even your grandparents were not Nazis. So, I mean, question, because my grandparents were my, they had to be a part of the yeah, Nazi party, yeah, but they were not like, you know, they both died. One died on the front in Russia. They were just soldiers, you know, yeah. they weren't like freaking. you they know. They didn't have S-
0: much soldiers. of a choice, you know, so. So, so, so Brooklyn four, forty five. uh IMDB has it listed as already out. You said it's coming out this summer
1: yeah it's coming out um it was premiered at south by southwest and mm-hmm. it's coming out this summer um on shutter awesome
0: yeah. make sure to check that out guys christina thank you so much i can't <laughs> believe we ran almost to 30 minutes it's been oh a truly- great this is so
1: much you had so many great
0: questions well thank you thank you so much and this has been a great interview i want to thank you i want to thank our audience th- those of you who are tuning in live and the majority of you who'll be watching this later on again our guest christina Clubby. uh A lot of you know her as Linda from Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2007. Christina, thank you. On behalf of Christina and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. (laughs)